0: Today I'm going to be meditating on the story of Jesus turning water into wine. So this is found in John 2, 1-11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Okay, so why was this Jesus' first public miracle? It's clear he didn't actually intend it to be. He tried to tell Mary no, and that his time had not yet come, but Mary insisted. Presumably, these were close friends of hers, and she was embarrassed for the host that they had run out of wine. She also knew Jesus could help, which is remarkable in and of itself. Up until this point, Jesus had been baptized by John in power, but he had not yet done any miracles. Mary surely knew that he could do miracles as the Messiah, but it's remarkable that she had the faith that he would, even after he told her no, and he never had before. It was her faith that made this one happen she actually ignored his no and told the servants to go ahead and do whatever Jesus said to do. what must they have thought when they'd filled up the vessels with just water and then they brought it to the master of ceremonies to taste were they snickering amongst themselves were they wondering what he would say what they would say as explanation and he tasted it and it was just water? Uh, after Jesus was baptized by John and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit he had the power to do miracles Satan tempted him in the wilderness to do miraculous signs to prove who he was to himself since he had never yet performed any miracles Satan wanted Jesus to doubt his identity so when Jesus was beginning to literally starve after 40 days with no food and Satan tempted him to turn a stone into bread which was a necessity for himself he resisted yet now when Mary wants him to turn water into wine which is a luxury for others he does it not only does he do it, he makes up to 180 gallons of it. It takes five normal-sized bottles of wine to make a gallon, so this is 900 bottles of apparently exquisite wine. No matter how big this wedding was, there's, that's way more than they could ever drink, even with a marriage celebration that went on for days. He continues this theme of abundance throughout his ministry. In the, the feeding of both the 5,000 and the 4,000, there was far more left over than he started with. When Jesus told Peter and his partners to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, there were so many fish that the boats began to sink. He is a God of more than enough. Moses' first miracle under the covenant of law was to turn a rod into a serpent, which was a symbol of sin. Jesus' first miracle, as the bringer of the new covenant of grace, is to produce an excess of wine, which is a symbol of joy, for a celebration. With, this reminds me of the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is listed in Deuteronomy 16, verses 9-15. to 15. In both cases, the people are supposed to take a portion of what he's blessed them with and enjoy it themselves. All God asks is that they invite him to the party. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13:8. So here is my retelling. This one's, by the way, through the eyes of Mary. Deborah had been one of my dearest friends since the earliest days of my marriage to Joseph. She and her husband Zev had thought they were barren for many years before the birth of their daughter Yasmin. Later they had two boys too, but Yasmin was the princess of the family. I watched her grow up with my own children and loved her like one of my own. When Joseph passed away, her family and ours grew even closer. Zev cared for me like I was one of his own sisters, though my sons were old enough to take care of me then. "'Alas for Yasmin, though! Her parents were too poor for much of a dowry, and she was never a beauty. "'When she reached eighteen with no marriage prospects, Deborah privately cried with me that perhaps Yasmin would never marry. "'What would she do in her old age, once her parents were not around to provide for her any more?' her brothers will no doubt provide for her, I soothed my friend, though inwardly my heart broke for Yasmin too. Yasmin did not let on, but I knew how much it must hurt her not to be chosen, and how she must fear growing old without a family of her own. So when she met Tobias, a poor merchant's son, who seemed to see in her what all of us saw, we held our breaths, until the day finally came, when Tobias approached Zeb for the shadukan or commitment. When Zeb asked Yasmin privately if she would consent to become Tobias's wife, Deborah told me that Yasmin had burst into happy tears on the spot, choking out her yes with so much emotion that they could I could hardly understand her I had been present for Yasmin's irusin, or betrothal, ceremony to Tobias. I thought my face might split. I was grinning so hard as she and Tobias traded the wine goblin under the hoopah. Betrothals typically lasted a year, and Tobias would need that long to prepare a place for his bride. From nine months after that day on, Yasmin kept her oil lamps burning in the house 24-7 in case Tobias sounded the shofar and led the bridal procession to collect her in the night. I knew that Deborah and Zeb privately fretted about this, since they could not really afford that much oil. But they dared not deny the, their little girl this little luxury after all. That she had suffered the oil became a problem when nine months turned into a year and 12 months became 15 Zeb finally told yasmin that they could not afford to continue burning the oil lamps deborah told me of the tears that followed and i understood why yasmin was not crying because she was denied the oil for the lamps the oil lamp symbolized her hope that tobias would ever return and her hope was dwindling had he changed his mind would he return at all so when the shofar sounded in the streets of Cana after a 17-month betrothal, the entire town turned up to celebrate the Nisian. We loved Yasmin, Deborah, and Zev. I was relieved that Jesus had just returned home in time as well. He'd been baptized in the River Jordan, and then went off into the wilderness for forty days, though I did not know how long he would be gone. He had made it clear to me that he would not necessarily share with me all the details of where and when he would be going from this point forward. I understood the significance of what he was saying. Since his very unusual birth, I had anticipated the day that he would step into his role as the Messiah. I wanted to ask him what had happened in the wilderness, but he happened to arrive on the th- on day three of the Nisuin, at which point there was such hubbub and commotion that I could hardly ask him anything. He also arrived with with a group of several men I had never seen before, orienting themselves around him like disciples. I beamed at my son and waved at him across the way when Deborah intercepted me all a flutter. My face fell as I focused on my friend, and for one wild second I thought, what crisis now? We are out of wine, she gasped. It's only the third day and we are out of wine. I understood what she meant immediately. It was considered shameful to run out of wine at all, let alone on day three. Although wedding guests typically helped to pay for the seven-day wedding feast of Nisuin, none of our friends were wealthy people. There was no one to whom they could appeal for help. "'This is because of the excess oil burning all these months?' I guessed, and Deborah gave me a tearful nod. I bit my lip and looked back at Jesus, then at Deborah again. "'Leave it to me,' I whispered with determination and crossed the room. I I grinned and hugged my son, but when I got close enough to his ear, I whispered pointedly, "'They have no more wine!' When Jesus released me, I saw that he scrutinized my face with a slight frown. "'What does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come.' I narrowed my eyes at him. "'I know about the dove from heaven,' I whispered back, referencing the rumors I had heard about the voice that had declared Jesus' identity when John baptized him in the river. "'You've stepped into your ministry now. You even have disciples. If Elijah and Elisha could both multiply oil and flour, I know you can do this. "'Besides, it's Yasmin, I insisted. "'She's practically your sister.' I saw that Jesus was about to protest again, so I turned away before I could hear it, gesturing at the servants nearby. I pointed them to Jesus. "'Whatever he says to you, do it,' I instructed them, and turned back to Jesus. I might have worn a slightly triumphant expression. He returned a mock glare, but the corners of his mouth turned upward. I knew I'd won. With a slight sigh, Jesus turned to the servants and pointed at six enormous empty water pots used for ritual purification. "'Go and fill the water pots with water,' he instructed. I saw the servants frown at each other skeptically, but I reminded them, "'Do it!' They shrugged and went to do as they were told. It took two men to carry each, uh, each filled pot back to Jesus, since they held about 30 gallons each, sloshing water over the edges as they carried them. When they returned, Jesus nodded at them and said, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. The servants at first did nothing. One finally echoed, Take him some water? Jesus returned the look I knew so well, that unblinking quiet confidence that said he meant just what he said, and he wasn't going to change his mind. The servant shrugged and said, "'Okay, then,' and dipped the goblet of water into the water. "'Then he looked down at the goblet and started. "'He looked back up at Jesus, then down at the goblet, then up at Jesus again. "'Jesus' expression had not changed, "'though there might have been just a twinge more amusement.' I smiled at Jesus with gratitude, but hurried after the two servants. They brought the goblet to Tobias's father, Yuri, acting master of the feast. Yuri was tipsy already, and gave a loud and cheerful, Hey! when he saw that the servants had brought him another goblet of wine. He raised it to his lips, though his attention was elsewhere. All three of us watched eagerly for his reaction. He raised his eyebrows, lifted the goblet to his nose, sniffed it, and swirled it, before bringing it to his lips again. Then he looked first to the servants, then to Deborah in amazement. He beckoned his son to him across the room, and Tobias came trotting over. "'Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now,' he cried out, clapping the boy on his back and drinking a long draught from the goblet. "'Well done!' Tobias turned to us, looking confused. I giggled and gestured to the servant. "'Bring the bridegroom a goblet, too,' I told them. "'Bring me one as well.' they did so, whispering excitedly amongst themselves. Many of the guests turned to Jesus after they had no doubt heard the story, with expressions ranging from skepticism to amazement. Tobias shared his goblet with Yasmin, who went to Jesus to thank him. In minutes the story had traversed the room, and the people swarmed Jesus, wanting to know if it was true. I could just see him through the crowd that now surrounded him, and I raised my goblet in the air to him in a silent toast. "'To my son,' I whispered to myself, "'the Messiah.'" So, I hope that helped the story come alive to you. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week. If you're enjoying these retellings and these biblical meditations, I just wanted to let you know that I have put together all of my retellings of Jesus' miracles in a book called Messiah Biblical Retellings. You can get it on Amazon in ebook or in paperback, and the audiobook is coming soon. Um, and it is written under my pen name, which is C.A. Gray. So, I will link in the show notes to where you can go to get this if you're interested. Thanks again for listening.